Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A funny taste in music with Andrew Bird. Hello, welcome to A Funny Taste in Music um, with me, Andrew Bird, comedian and love music. Brought those things together and on this one we've got Al Pitcher. Now I've known Al since I started gigging. Uh, he's from New Zealand as well. It's just dawned on me in the first four podcasts, two from New Zealand. That's pretty, that's pretty New Zealand heavy, isn't it, for the first few? But there's a reason I've got him on. He's one of them people who sends me regular messages regarding music and most are abusive, I've got to say. Most will be saying how shit he thinks Oasis are and that's why he's on here. There's no point getting people on you're just going to agree with, is there? So we have a running tit-for-tat battle about how much I love Oasis, how much he hates Oasis. I think he just hates them just to annoy me. But he's one of them mates. You know you've got a mate who uh, you see a text from them and you get this little bit of excitement where you think, oh, this is going to be abusive, probably offensive on a lot of levels. And these texts are going to go back and forward for a good hour. And we're both going to say horrendous things that if ever read out deadpan in a court of law, we could get in a lot of trouble for. He's one of those people. So this should be good fun. Looking forward to talking to him. He's a massive, massive U2 fan. I'm not that much of a U2 fan. Let's see if he can turn me round by the end of this. Um, You shouldn't have to if you're a U2 fan and you immediately hate me now and you've stopped playing this podcast. This was a mistake to mention in the intro. I realise that now. But it's going to be a good fun chat. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Don't forget in the the description of the podcast, it's got a Spotify playlist. Just click on that and it'll have the songs or a song from an album that's mentioned during this podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Looking forward to talking to Al. Here we go. A funny taste in music. The interview next. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You're a bit quiet for me. Well, that's probably your fault, not mine. <laughs> I've got an expensive mic, mate. I invested. Nice welcome. <laughs> it's not good morning, Britain. <laughs> All right, Piers. Right, I need to um, snap out of being an idiot and take some of this seriously. What? Why is that? I you don't. You don't have to. I absolutely got a tendency to um, hijack this and ruin the whole thing. <laughs> yeah what you, you didn't think i considered you driving this into the ground <laughs> um, i'm well aware that's going to happen no. um and this is only like the fourth one i feel i feel i'm trying to you know start to set some kind of level of what it is and you're about to undermine that who who yeah completely who uncomfortable that um jared christmas which i've just realized out of four people now that's two two People from New Zealand. This is pretty New Zealand heavy early doors, isn't it? Uh, I was born in England, so that's fine. Are we? Is this happening now? Are we on or? Yeah, yeah, I'm recording. Yes. Oh, is this how Could you do it? it? Is it's one of these like really casual? You just started up. Yeah. <laughs> oh mate. Yeah. Or all right, we'll start it like this then. Uh, our picture. Talk about music in a funny, interesting way for forty minutes to an hour. Go. Um, music has been my passion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, I, w- I wanted to talk to you on this. One of the first people I thought of, because you are one of the, f- there's a few people I have that send me regular messages about music and you're one of them. Hmm. You more than most, most of yours are abusive um, some some are you know just about music. Most are abusive towards you. Know, I remember when I hadn't spoke I hadn't spoke to you for about eight months at one point, and you sent me a message that just said BDI a piss, and that was it <laughs> <laughs> from nowhere. Um, we have we should establish we have a constant tit for tat battle over my unwavering love of Oasis and your massive love of you too. I think unwavering unwavering is a beautiful term, mate. I thanks, mate. No, it's not yours. It's hack. But I I just think there's so many times I've seen you two do stuff that I'm not proud of, but that unwavering feeling. I just go, I've got to defend them. I've got to defend them. And yeah. I do, and I, I, I'm I'm 48 now. I, I should just give it up, you know. No, no, but like no, you mate, like you two brought out like 
Joshua Tree Akhtung Baby. And then the, in one of the albums they did recently, they had a song called Get On Your Boots, Put On Your Sexy Boots. And it was horrific. Mm. It, was, it was a disaster. But I still defended it. Yeah. Now, I wish I'd heard that now and sent you an abusive message. Um, but Oasis, yeah, you, Oasis have made yeah. a lot of, I would say, big mistakes. So you're saying it nicely on here, are you? Um, yeah. Yeah, and you've messaged me about most of them. And I'm the same. I'll defend them. Like, uh, the thing that I'll defend the most is what pisses me off about people who slag off Oasis is they all say every Oasis song sounds the same. I'll tell you what sounds the same. People that slag off Oasis, because they all say that bullshit. Um, Doesn't all sound the same. Listen to Half the World Away and then Supersonic, back to back. They do not sound the same, but... Listen to the Beatles and Oasis back to back, <laughs> and then you've got a bloody problem. Am I, am I allowed to swear on it? Well, yeah, you've got a bloody problem, mate. But I yeah. um, don't... Who's who do you think's had the better career, solo career, Liam or Noel? Um, Whose podcast is this? Yeah, go on, answer that question. It's a good question, though. Um, I reckon probably still Noel. Liam's is probably doing better now, but but I tell you one thing, I will say about. Liam and Noel Gallagher is that you are allowed this is weird a lot of people I don't think they know this you are allowed to like both of them I don't think everyone knows <laughs> you sent me a message I still remember this message you sent me uh, God, I mean if you scroll this? back if you scroll back through my Facebook messages from you yeah it's good reading one of them was something about I remember it something about uh, Noel and Liam and I said I like them both mate and then you said yeah but to get them to reform, which one would you suck off if you had to? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's uh, the level that you send me. But um, I think uh, it was I uh, a misspelling there. I think it was chuck off the tour bus. Oh, all right. All right. The autocorrect did not pick up on that. Um, no, I think um, Noel Gallagher's albums, like I re I really like them both. But I don't know what it is. Um, with Noel Gallagher's songs, I sort of believe him a bit more. Some of Liam's, it feels like he, you know, he's singing them well and that. But did he did he write that? Does he know what it's about? Yeah, you know what I mean, with Noel's, you can imagine it, it really pouring out of his brain, and that's why he's singing it. I don't know, but I like them both. I um, I saw Noel Gallagher and the. Uh, the high flying hymens or whatever they're called um, at supporting you two as it should be at, at, <laughs> at, at Croke Park in, in Ireland. So technically that's okay. Did you fly from Sweden specifically for that? Yes, or I were did. You in yeah. Ireland? Yes, I did. Wow. You're one of them proper all around Europe fans. Uh, I was kind of like that with Oasis when I was younger and single. Yeah. I was, I'd go everywhere to go and see i went to leeds just for one day leeds festival but you flew from sweden to croke park for the gig yeah i went to what dublin like? airport first but yeah i um i went to 
the big one I've done is Boston. I went to Boston to see them on the Joshua Tree tour. And well, hang on, specifically to see them. Yeah, yeah. And, Jesus Christ. Well, yes, yes. You're right. Um, I actually, it's a weird one for me because I, I kind of love the concerts, but I, I'm also watching them and laughing. I find them very funny. But like, really? he, here's the thing with like Noel for me, right? When I saw Noel, he's doing Wonderwall. He's doing Champagne Supernova. It ain't hitting for me, mate. It ain't hitting for me. And then I saw Liam in Stockholm and there was this absolute euphoria about it as well. You know, it was also February this year, which doesn't seem right, but you know, um, and he, you know, they do the stone roses build up before like he plays one of the songs and people are on there on, on each other's shoulders. It was, it was chaos. It was proper yeah, right, mate. You know that kind of carry on, and yeah. Um, yeah, and he was he was he was great, but I and so I think he's better as a solo artist. So you have to start deciding that question very very soon if you want them to reform. I don't want them to reform. That's Whoa. the thing as well. I've seen them. Yeah, you heard. I'm a as you know massive Oasis right. I was, what's the story was released the day before my 15th birthday. It's like they were, it's like I had no other choice. They were made for me to love them. Did you ever They're part think of my identity, Al. Do you think about Blair? Blair are good. They're really good. But they just didn't, I didn't, um, I don't know. They just didn't, you know, Oasis was singing, you need to be yourself. You can't be no one else. <laughs> that, I don't know why that, that's, uh, that's all I needed to know at 15. <laughs> Is, you can have all my how much do you want it i do want it no i do especially when you sing it liam but um i uh yeah i liked blur Actually, i think i was probably listening to blur stuff before oasis but then once i was in oasis that was it but yeah liam that's that's what was so great about oasis no songs liam's um i don't know i don't even know how you describe Antics. it but um yes but uh, the absolute force he sings those songs with, you can't fake that. You can't fake it. But um, when you saw, no, what did you think of the High Flying Birds then when you saw them, his own stuff? Did you like his own stuff? Uh, when no. When they supported you too? No, I actually walked on to one of his songs on a tour. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you walked on while he was on <laughs> no. in Croke Park and just went, fairly mate. <laughs> No, no, this uh, no. I, what Liam's doing right now? <laughs> no, I um, uh, I walked onto one of his songs. I can't remember what it was, but it it's the only one that I kind of like of his. I really struggle with. I think he's gone a bit too psychedelic for me, mate. Really? Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's the thing that people slag off Oasis that they all their stuff sounds the same. And now he's starting to sound a bit more different. People are slagging him off for that. What can the man do? But Liam has gone a bit ballady, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's he's got a new song out literally in the last few days. I'd say is a bit... um, You need to have a word there. I don't don't know him personally, but... um, Brutal, mate. Brutal. 
it sounds a bit um what's he called blue eyes old blue eyes frank sinatra sounds a bit it's got a bit swing band for me but um yeah i wouldn't have said that i was more robbie williams for me (laughs) that hurts a lot more um i uh i really liked i like all of his solo stuff but yeah i've got to say i like the first bdi album the second one um and bear in mind how much i love oasis i've got to admit i gave it three listens and i thought this should not be this hard work to listen to an album yeah, that that's tough, isn't it? When when your heroes produce shite, yeah, and you have to. Do you still get excited when they release stuff? Then, well, when uh, when Oasis albums, because they used to take so long, they'd be every three or four years by the end, by the last couple, and there'd be a really long build up, like a year before they'd be going new Oasis album. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like really getting into it. Yeah. And it's different now because it's, you don't even notice stuff's out now. It's just like a song will be on YouTube. That's how you know a new album's out. It was, mm. you know. But um, I, when when there's a new Liam Gallagher album out, I'm like, well, I'm definitely getting it. And when I listen to like the last one's brilliant as well. The thirties two been excellent. The last one's really good with uh, once on it. Once, <laughs> once that ruined it that for was, me. That that part of the song I loved all of the. The bit in the middle, once, 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 once. Yeah, that bit in the middle. I hated yeah. it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do some knob gags. Get Video's off. Video's good. You know. You are. Do some knob gags. Get off. <laughs> He's doing a song on an album. It's not a jongler's gig. Um, but I liked. I did like both of those albums. But I. I do look forward to it more when a Noel album's coming out. Wow. I don't know why. I, I count the days for that album. It's like Christmas coming up. That's how, do you, you like that with U2 albums? Um, do you look forward to them coming out or do you just sort of vague? Do you still buy albums or are you Spotify? I iTunes it, mate. Oh. I, um, what I will do is I'll try and find, if it gets leaked, I'll have a listen and then I'll buy it. I used to buy everything and like I had all the Joshua Tree singles I had all the Unforgettable Fire singles and B-sides and everything used to get a bit drunk come home and play them and scratch the shit out of them so they're not worth anything we know that now yeah um and I also used to walk like Bono I used to (laughs) Like talk like him almost. Like he's been a massive influence on my life. Um and a lot of people say he's a twat. He does do things where I'm like, oh mate, what have you done that for? Like the Yeah. Like the album that went on the phones, you know, that did not help them at all. You know, when they de- you, nah. they put it straight onto Apple iPhones. You don't yeah, remember that, I do remember you? that one. I do remember that. There was a song on it, um, something Crashing Waves or something. Every Breaking it? Wave. Every Breaking Wave. That is a hell of a song. Thank you. Tell them that. <laughs> you take credit for them as well. Are we having a competition here? <laughs> I do. do we... Someone goes, I love that new Noel Gallagher song. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, there's aspects of it where I'm just, I cringe, but 
I don't know. I think if, and they probably they probably do this on Spotify and iTunes, don't they? They probably um, tell you what you listen to the most, you know. But I, yeah. um, I'm an I'm an anti factor anti factor, um, so I don't look at stats. I just I'm in uh-huh. the moment. But I probably yeah. would say that you two are my still my number one listen. I've got a lot of bootlegs, though, you know? Yeah. Well, when did... Because, um, right, it is, here's the thing. Uh, it's funny to slag off. When you know someone loves a band so much, that's what you do with me. You know how much I love Oasis, so that's why it's enjoyable to slag them off. Well, do you know how with much... you too. How much, for me, with you, is I would love Oasis to, to reunite and produce an absolute shit song because (laughs) it would just i know we're in weird times um in the middle of a pandemic they get back together and they release release a song i'd be all over it i'd be all over you you'd probably block me on social media i would love it i know you would i'd be a shark feeding frenzy for you um I, I would no I don't think I would block you I'd I'd miss it I'd miss the abuse um yeah I um I don't want them to get back together people keep going on about it I've seen them saw them uh f- quite a few times loads of different places different venues bloody love them I didn't and now I feel like you get a good Liam Gallagher album and a good Noel Gallagher album so you're getting two albums for the price of one Whereas what you'd get if Oasis was together would be a mix of both of those albums. That would be a bit clunky, a bit clunky. Gear changes all over the place. They're, so now uh, you're getting their hatred for both. each other has continued, or do you think it's a media thing? Uh, no, I reckon that's probably pretty real. But then that's the that's the thing as well. Is any opinion that they've got, I completely agree with. And then they go back on their opinions. You've probably got the same with Bono, and you go, "Oh, hang on, that was that was." That was that was. I've thought that now for years because you thought it, and now you're saying you don't think it anymore. Well, what, what, does that leave me? Absolutely. Like when they were slagging off Blur, I didn't like hate Blur, but I was like, yeah, bloody, bloody middle class posh boys, bloody, yeah, 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 agreeing with all of it. And then they go, no, no, they're 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 all right actually, they're all right. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with that now? And um, like Noel Gallagher said about how any band who has music on an advert. It's shameful, and I was like, "Yeah," and then he had uh, the that half the world away on that on their M and S advert the other year, wasn't it? Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was like, "Well, what, what, what am I supposed to do that?" You know. And he also sided. Do you know how much that song meant to me? You've just diminished it. He also very much sided with like politics. He went with Tony Blair and stuff, didn't he? No. Yeah, but I think I can't. You can't blame him completely for that. Everyone kind of did that at the time. Everyone thought, you know, things were going to be pretty good, and then no, it's just you two not being political and stuff like that. You know, so yeah, yeah, they do. They do tend to uh, keep. They keep their nose out of it, don't they? Yeah, they keep to the business. I mean, I'm sometimes wanting. I wonder what he thinks of this. I wonder what he thinks. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean that that's always been a bit strange. But actually, Noel and, and Bono get on very, very well. As much as music, I like 
listening to Noel Gallagher's interviews. I think he's made me laugh as much as like a lot of comedians do. He's proper funny, he's well funny. There's a bit where he's um years and years ago he was talking to Chris Evans and he was talking about um Michael Jackson when he did at the Brits, he did the thing passing himself off as Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a holy figure during a song with his arms out and kids all around him. And Noel Gallagher said, for him to come over here after what's happened and act like he's some kind of Christ figure, he says, who does he think he is, me? <laughs> Brilliant. Well, funny, but he tells really good stories, Noel Gallagher, and he told a really funny one about Bono when they, was, they were supporting him. He was at a party at Bono's house and was like they were up till like four in the morning, hammered, woke up, and he said, Bono comes in and goes, right, well, I'm throwing a lunch for you. And there's like loads of people there. There's like loads of like massive famous people there, like, you know, politicians and everyone. Yeah. And he's like, oh, all right. Gets up and they get hammered again, drinking all day. And then they're supposed to go to France or something that day for a gig the following night. And Bono goes, right, don't worry about the plane. We'll just get a private jet. Fly over. And Noel said he was in a hotel room. Like absolutely destroyed after two days non-stop. Turns on the telly and Bono is on the telly with the like French president <laughs> <laughs> doing an interview about famine in Africa. <laughs> Noel's in bits in the bed, can barely move. Oh, I thought that, that was good. That that made me like Bono, I've got to admit. But what what's your... Because um, apparently, yeah, apparently you two, like, all of them in the band are really funny and a good laugh. My problem with you, like, I right, with the thing with you two is they're clearly a good band. Not saying they're not. Clearly brilliant band, right? They've just it's just like what you just said about Noel's songs just not hitting you. I've got that with you too, that they just I don't know what it is. And then there's the thing of the uh you know, all the uh the preachy stuff, and then there's the thing of the the not paying tax. That's the thing they get slammed for a lot. What do you think about that? Yeah. Do you stick up for them for that? No, it, Gary Barlow did it. Sorry. Yeah, that that's. Yeah, there's some things that are not you can't defend, you know. Yeah. And I think, I think that's clearly one of them. And that's that's what I mean about making these mistakes, where someone should just pull them aside and say don't do that, you know. Do you know what I mean? It's like, a, you know, a, a, a great showbiz friend of mine, Stephen Williams, um, <laughs> Welsh. He, he's a magician as well. But um, he he used to have a bit of stand-up about, I think Bono went in front of the Senate and was talking about terrorism. And he said, the way to beat terrorism is to make them laugh. So he was saying like, we should send like Amy Schumer and Chris Rock over and they should do a gig for the Taliban, you know? And, and, and like nobody's, nobody's kind of, and then I think Williams went a bit racist, but, um, <laughs> but there's no, there's nobody pulling. That's, that's how he always takes it. Exactly. Then he does a magic trick, gets off and he's off in the taxi. You don't see him again. Yeah. But you fi- I find that you he just makes these mistakes all the time. You know, these kind of yeah, he, if something happens like during covid and all that, 
he 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 recorded himself singing a song for Italy, and mm-hmm. he clearly hadn't thought the song through. It was just him singing into his phone. But because he's such a mega star, people go, oh, of course, twat. You know, like, <laughs> so Live Aid, all, the, all those kind of things. Where I, I actually do think, I mean, we get criticism as, as doing stand-up comedy, but the amount of shit he must get. I mean, he must be up there, eh? As, yeah. as one of the most disliked people. He's one of them easy, as a comedian, go-to examples of someone to slag off on stage and get an instant. Everyone will agree. And go, yeah, like that. I don't, and I don't, I don't. I, yeah, I think you've described it well. He just doesn't help himself. If you, I bet if you met him, he's a right laugh. Like Noel Gallagher said, he's up drinking till like five, six in the morning. He's hilarious. Well, but he just the, the glasses and the name don't help. Yeah, but the glasses is like a, he's got like. Um, you know, disease. He has to wear them because he, he kind of, his eyes get a bit funny. <sighs> he says that. They say that in the cinema, don't but they? But he gave... Like 3D films. He, he gave sunglasses to the Pope. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. I think he should have thought that through. <laughs> yeah. One story that kind like of that one. reminds me of him, not that he's dead, but he... They did a gig at in in San Francisco, and it was a Save the Yuppie concert, right? It was a tongue-in-cheek concert, free concert, because the, the share market had crashed. It was like around 87, around that time. Right. They did this kind of, you know, they just got the band together and they did this. It's on the Rattle and Hum movie, actually, which was a, another thing they shouldn't have done. And he goes out and he's singing, and I think they're doing Sunday Bloody Sunday. And then I think it was around the time when the the bombing of Enniskilling Enniskilling happened, and you know it was IRA, and um, and someone was holding a sign up, and it said SF loves you too. Now Bono, he's halfway through the song, and he goes SF, is that what you mean? SF loves you too. Sinn Féin, right? And this guy's obviously holding the thing up saying, it's San Francisco, <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> and Bono's like, you think we we like terrorism? Sinn Féin, the Irish Republic? And he just slams this guy. This poor guy's just holding this bloody banner that he's made at home. So he does all those kind of things. And it's, I think... Was- was the edge going Bono, Bono, well, you, Bono? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the 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 drummer Larry is very straight lines, middle of the road, and I think he gets very embarrassed by Bono's lack of thought sometimes, you know. Yeah. But they they are an amazing so band live as well. They're fantastic. They really put on a show, you know. I hear this. I hear this. That's what they, a lot of people say. Anyone who slags off you too, once you've seen them live, that sort of just goes out the window. And you have to go, fuck, all right. How many times have you seen them? Boston, I reckon, Croke Park, there's two far flung I reckon dedicated 50, gigs. 50, 50 times, 50 or 60. Jesus Christ, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Elevation, wow. Elevation Tour, I followed them around 
the UK. And they were playing like three or four nights in arenas. What year was that? Um, 2004. Two, no, 2001, sorry. Hang on, 2001? Yeah. You've just moved to... How long have you been in England then? A couple of years. Move. Right, so you're doing paid tens? Well, no, I was, I was, pe- was pencilled. Pencilled in. <laughs> you did... <laughs> <laughs> You got, you got some Mate, sevens I was basically to going to Plymouth yeah. for, thir- for heavy pencil for thirty pounds, and yeah. I was having to pay my train fare, and that was more than the gig. And I, yeah, I was never one of those comedians who would look at the money, and some people would go right petrol. I'll need a sandwich. Um, and then I need the bus fare. I'm, I'm making seven quid. I'd never thought of it like that. I just thought it's a time for, I just need to go on stage. You know, I'm not, I'm not egotistical. I don't need, need to be on stage, but it was very much like that, you know? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. My wife will go, how much are you going to make after this? I'm like, I'll be doing a gig and it's an Audi shop. All right. Let's think of it like that. But <laughs> at the time when I was doing those gigs, driving to Plymouth for 30 quid. Yeah. I didn't then on my night off think I'll spend 70 quid on a U2 ticket and go and see them. How were you, how were you affording to go around the country? I was working. I was working at like Ticketmaster around that stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you were working. Did you, right, uh, did you get discounted tickets? Not, ticket not discounted, but when they went on sale, I could get them, you know. Right. Um, right. Are you saying that? I mean, if you stole tickets, we could cut that out. Didn't steal them. Paid for them. Absolutely paid for them. Um, You can't get sacked in retrospect. Paid for them. Absolutely paid for them. Um, Worked at at the Brit Awards and... Did you? For Ticketmaster, where when when the famous people come through the door, you give them a map of where their seat is and you two were on that day and I saw them rehearse and that was a buzz. Um, yeah. Met Bono twice, once in New Zealand uh, when they got off the plane. It was quite dark. He had sunglasses on. He did the whole peace sign as he came down the steps, nearly fell off, fell down the steps. And then, this is all classic Bono. Then they got in the cars as they were coming through the gate. And this is like New Zealand, Christchurch, you know, like probably had to get his own bags and shit like that. You know, hobbits were working then. <laughs> Topical. And then um, then they come through the car. They come in the car. He gets out, jumps on the back of someone else's car in a car park. He can do that. He's a rock star. And my girlfriend yeah. sits next to him. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. This, this is the greatest love triangle I've ever been involved in. Then I give him a uh, envelope, which has got like printed telephones on it. Like, I think it's for a phone bill. You'd think it was, wouldn't you? I give it to him and he looks at it. He goes, mm, very Andy Warhol, 
very Andy Warhol. And I did not know who the shitting hell Andy Warhol was. And I just went, yeah, Bono, yeah, mate, like that. And, uh, and then I met him again in London and they were doing a new book, you know, cause they needed the cash and shit. And, yeah. um, you had to queue up. I was there at 6am queuing up. Right. And then the website, u2.com went up and down the queue, up and down the line, um, interviewing people. And then it turned out that they found out I was a comedian. Don't know how they found out about that, right? So then I, they go, oh, right, so you're the comedian. What do you think of you 2 And I go, oh, I've actually got this joke about you 2 um, where on the start of Vertigo, Bono goes, uno, dos, tres, catorce, which in Spanish is one, two, three, 14. So obviously Bono can't count. So maybe there isn't a problem in Africa. Maybe Bono has just miscounted. I mean, it's died. It's died in this pod. I'll be honest with you. You haven't laughed once at that joke. There's a live audience here as well. They've given nothing. Yeah. You can't see them. I'll be honest with you, mate. But- it died in the queue. Like, the camera guy <laughs> was just like, what have you done that for, you, you absolute knob? Like... And then I met him, but he didn't know about it. Um, (laughs) But interestingly... What did you say to him? Fucking hell, it's a tough queue. (laughs) I was like... Just died in that queue. Mate, thank goodness I'm doubling doubling up with water stones. Um, (laughs) But then here's a weird thing. As I was coming up in the queue, they said, this guy's a stand-up comedian. And Bono goes great man we've got we might have a song on the new album called stand up comedy and i kind of feel this is weird that that song was for me mm. and then when i went to meet him he put up his hand and i put out my fist as for a, uh, and it went horribly went horribly wrong i just ended up holding his finger <laughs> i'm not joking you <laughs> Like a child, you're trying to get out of a play park. Yeah, it was an absolute disaster. What, what was it a split second decision in your brain where you went fist bump? That feels right. Um, you haven't planned it. You haven't thought he doesn't look like a fist bump kind of guy to me. Oh, it it ended up it where panic? I fist bump, and then I I kind of he put out his hand. I'm holding his like his finger, and then I just it was all in a split second. But I've gone up. I'm holding the un- the bottom of his arm, like his elbow bit. And then I go, can yeah. I have a, I was like, can I have a hug? And I just hugged him. Wow. And you know what? He f- smelled beautiful. I think once you've held his finger, grabbed under his arm like a pensioner, you're trying to help across the road and <laughs> insisted on a hug. If he heard you breathe in deeply and go, oh. <laughs> That's all he needs. Um, mate. He gave a signal to security at that moment. You know that. No, he his skin was beautiful as well. I might have to go soon. Really? might have to go soon. This is really turning me on. Mm. <laughs> no, it was um, his skin. He's obviously on some, he's on some good soap. That's all I remember. 
Um, it's on some good soap. It's on Illuminati oils. And that's what he's probably on. Yeah, he probably washes himself with tax money. Um, <laughs> and I met Liam Gallagher. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I've? I've met Noel as well. This is this is a bit weird. I, when I say, did you meet Noel with Jared? No, Jared. Did you meet? No, Jared met him on his own. When I say I met Noel, Noel was having a argument with was it Meg Matthews? Was he married to her? Yeah, yeah. On Old Street, they were just in a doorway and they were kind of shouting at each other, and people were walking past and they had their heads down. And I sort of just saw who it was. And I said to my wife and her friend, I went, it's Noel Gallagher, like that. (laughs) And they kind of stopped arguing and they were like, dickhead, and then just carried on. And I remember going, why did I? You know, like sometimes you see famous people and you can't stop. Yeah. You know, like you're like, oh. MC Hammer. It's like you have, you know, you have to confirm it with your own brain out loud, don't you? I think famous people must, you know, like I, I'm good mates with Russell Howard, and when you walk around like town with him, there's people. Yeah. You see people walking towards him. Their eyes kind of light up, and then you can hear them behind you going, "That's Russell Howard. That's Russell Howard." You know? Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Must be weird. Do you remember when we? <laughs> I'll never forget. We play. We used to play football on a Tuesday, and me, you, Russell, <laughs> Jared. That was good. Uh, <laughs> got a few other people. Mickey Flanagan used to play. Yeah. And we were playing, and then uh, a local school it's in Crystal Palace. So a local school had their like school football on the pitch near us, and they had to walk past us while we were playing. So all these like fourteen-year-old kids walking past. And Russell's playing, and they'll go, "Is that one off Mock the Week, bruv? <laughs> that is that one off Mock the Week, man." That, and he's he's got to take selfies with loads of kids in front of like twenty comedians. That must have been horrific. Yeah, he's having selfies with kids in front of all of us, and Kitson, Daniel Kitson, shouting at them, "I, I want the fucking Perrier, you ignorant little fox." <laughs> <laughs> I also remember but, um, a penalty shootout. Do you remember that one? When yeah. Steve Williams took his clothes off, his shorts off. Yeah. Yeah, to put off um, Frisbee. Yeah. He was taking the penalty. So the guy's Stevie called Dom Frisbee, not. He didn't throw a Frisbee. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dominic Frisbee was taking a penalty. Steve Williams stripped completely naked to get in his head. <laughs> and what did Frisbee do to that? And then the school kids were still there watching. <laughs> <laughs> no, the. the, the um, not the political. I'm thinking of Don Frisbee. The um, the engine. They were doing construction. The construction yeah. workers were going. Hey, oi, Cherry! There's a penalty shootout. Come down here, mate. And they all were watching. And then he took his trousers off, and they were like, they just didn't say anything after that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There was a good, probably fifteen of them lent over scaffolding, like like a small stadium. <laughs> Watching, going, ah, penalty shootout just grabs your attention, doesn't it? We'll just watch this for a minute. (laughs) Stevie, penalty shootout, his cock and balls, flapping around in goal. And then Frisbee stripped as well. Do you remember? Yes, he did. 
And then he took the penalty naked, scored. Stevie's like rolling on the floor, balls flapping around. <laughs> Dominic's running around with his balls flapping around naked, trying to hug people. People are running away. And I just see these 20 builders just turn around and go, that's enough. Just <laughs> walked away. They just went back to work. Smoko, Terry. Smoko. Um, <laughs> but for me, it was because you always think, I wonder what happens to their their bits when they're in a penalty shootout as a goalkeeper. I wonder if they, when they dive left, they get the, the, as you quoted by Andrew Bird, the cock and balls, do they go that way as well? Mm. So for me, it was, <laughs> no. it was quite, it was scientific as well as being absolutely disgusting. So you were looking at it going, oh, on a physics point of view, this is interesting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as he dived, his balls sort of went the other way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sent the test. They soon caught the up. They soon. <laughs> but um, so, so you met. You were talking about how weird it is being recognised. That must be horrible being that famous a musician. There's nothing worse than having a a domestic in public to the point you don't give a shit you're in public and you're just arguing. I've had them. <laughs> Someone to walk past and just go, "No, Gallagher." <laughs> That would be pretty shit. That would, but it was it was but, like it just sort of you know, like sometimes you see like somebody's about to like bang their head on a cupboard or something, but you don't you can't say it. It's that same feeling. You wanna yeah. go, cupboard, you know, but you don't and they go and you go, oh, I was gonna say cupboard, you know. Bit of observational for you there, we can cut that bit out. Yeah. But, um, so you saw you saw the foundations of their marriage crumbling. So when you saw that the divorce announced in the papers, you were like, "Yep, yeah, saw that coming." Yeah, but I obviously, I sort of think I may have played a factor in it as well. You know, like you two <laughs> in the stand-up comedy song, me yeah. going Noel Gallagher. She might have gone. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's anybody any cares. They don't care for me. They just care for you. And then the divorce came. In you know, a few weeks later. That was the moment of realisation she needed. And then Liam Gallagher. from New Zealand walking past. This should have been the podcast. Our picture meets people. <laughs> Liam <laughs> Gallagher I met in, I was doing my picture show, which, you know, as one of my peers, you recognise as one of the greatest shows ever, ever done. Oh, yeah. No, what, yeah. what it was was I took photos where I was and then I showed the photos on a screen and then I improvised the whole show about the photos. Kind of what I said to you recently is you would be really funny about photos you've taken that day. This was what year was that? 2010 or something? 2008, 2009, yeah. So this is pre-Twitter and Facebook really. So you kind of invented Twitter and Facebook in a way. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're doing that show. Um, three stars, Chortle. Yeah. <laughs> I um, caught me on a bad night, Bennett, you bastard. Um, <laughs> it read like a four. He ain't giving you four. He ain't giving me four. Um, really don't like that guy. Um, so I, yeah, so I'm doing my show at the King's Head. I'm walking around with a cannon, um, not a gun, a, a, a cannon camera, like DSLR camera. And then 
Liam's in there and the the pub's just opened. It must have been about 12, 1 o'clock for lunch and stuff. And Liam's in there drinking. So I walk in. The King's Head? Crouch Head? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I walk in with this camera and I'm with Paul Byrne, who's helping me with the show. Um, yeah. And he goes, he thinks you're paparazzi, right? So I go over to him and I go, mate, I'm, I'm a comedian. I'm just doing a, a show um, where I take photos. I'm not, I'm not a paparazzi. And he goes, oh, show me, show me. Like this, right? Um, and then I go, do you mind if I take a photo of you? And he's like, oh, all right, mate, sound. Go to take it. The flash doesn't work. It's too dark in the room. So I said, I'm sorry to be a pain, but this would be an amazing part of the show. Could you come outside? So already, and, and knowing what famous people, I know how absolutely irritating this would be, right? Yeah. So he goes outside. Paul Burns got the camera. I'm there with Noel. We're just about to take a photo. Random woman walks past. Just a woman goes, hey, it's him. It's the singer. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, love. Liam goes, join in, love. So she joins in the photo, right? So now I've got a photo of this amazing moment. I think Liam Gallagher is a great singer of me yeah. and this random woman. And I've always, I've tried to crop her out, but her arm is always in it. So I always have to explain about the random woman. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes it better. This, that was in the show, surely. And your anger at this woman just getting involved. And I said, don't to look back fair. in anger. Oh, lovely. Good work. Thank you. To be, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> You did. I can't believe you made him go outside. Yeah, when I think about it now, it was. Yeah. You, you're lucky you got a photo of him. Yeah, yeah, true. To be fair, true. But I am. Um, so, uh, hang on. So you two, you've seen them fifty times. Yep. All right. What's? Can you remember the first time you saw them? Where, where was that? It was the Love Town tour, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, and it was in Auckland, Auckland, New Zealand. And yep. um, yeah, it was with B.B. King. Um, and B.B. King played for about an hour before and bored the shit out of me. And then you two, you two came on and they were, they were all like cowboy hats and, and all that oh, carry on, that. proper boots and mullets yeah all that stuff and um they brought up a guy from the audience who this is all pre-internet so anything you see you didn't know their set lists i look at their set list i follow when they're on tour i listen to like a mixer in the gig that's how much of a fan i am right wow yeah so so for me it was just there was pre-internet, so I didn't know what they were going to play, and it just blew my mind. It, and I remember all my mates were like smoking the old wacky backy, and I was like, "No, nah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, 
I was only like 16, 17, but I was like, nah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go this someone sober. And I just remember it was just such an experience for me. You know, I'm, <clears throat> I remember doing that, uh, giving up drinking at gigs. I stopped drinking while I was still drinking. I stopped drinking at gigs because it gets to the point where you're watching it and going, oh, I could just run out between these two songs and get a drink. Yeah, yeah. And you think, what, what, why am I doing that? Why well, I can drink any time. Why am I doing that? So you, even at that young age, you thought, first time you're seeing you two, you don't want to be stoned for that, do you? You want to be well, yeah, and completely remember it. I saw you two on the, like they did a Stop Sellerfield gig at the G-Mix in Manchester. It was called the G-Mix then. And yeah. I went over to Manchester. The tickets were five pounds. And um, they went on. It's in the seventies, five pounds. Yeah, it was all like a donation thing. It was like a. They just called the gig like about two weeks before they were going to do stop Sellerfield, like the nuclear plant, and they went over the next yeah. day in like, um, you know, Breaking Bad suits and all that kind of stuff, you know, and took photos yeah. on the thing, but. They went on stage at midnight and I was there with a load of mates and I didn't drink and Public Enemy supported, Big Audio, Audio Dynamite were on as well and Kraftwerk. And, <laughs> you know, you've got to watch Kraftwerk, don't you? But they just yeah. sat at the back of the thing just drinking in another room, not even listening, you know? What's the point of that? You can drink... Drink any night, any night of the week. How often do you get to see craft work? Even if it's shit, you still you still saying I've seen craft work. You got to watch them; they're great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that's been. I mean, I don't drink now, but that that was one of my one of my big things was going to these concerts and just going. I spent all this money. I don't want to be like vomiting in the corner, you know. Yeah, and not even that, remember and that, it. But to be honest, that only applies for you too. <laughs> yeah. When I went to other gigs, I got a bit drunk. REM, I got really drunk at Weston Springs in front of 75,000 people. Got up on stage, didn't I? <laughs> really? Yeah, they were pushing people forward, and I got, and it was just all scaffolding underneath, and uh, I was really drunk, and I jumped on the scaffolding and I ended up getting up and some guy tried to grab my foot to stop me, the security guy. And I was just on stage with Michael Stipe, man. Really drunk. <laughs> and then I just went down on my knees and said, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I, I really regret that as well. Wish I'd done something better. And then I sobered up massively when they took me backstage and um, they wanted to, the local security wanted to beat me up but the American security was saying, no, how the hell did this happen? And then they kicked me out and let me back into the concert. Hashtag wow. true story. And Crowded House supported. You saw Crowded House support REM? Yeah. Wow, what a gig. What a gig. Yeah, I am, um, you're meeting people stories when you're saying about uh, shaking hands with Bono and holding his finger. Yeah. I kind of get that. And the fist bump, I met uh, Neil Finn. Just the other week, another text from you, another message where you said about uh, that Everyone Is Here oh, album, the Finn Brothers. Superb album, Birdie. What an album, yeah. 
I was going to say to you, I worked in the, you remember I worked in the pub, the Bedford in Balham, South London. Mm. Brilliant music venue. Um, they did a Radio 2 uh, competition. You know, you a band play uh, live on Radio 2. It's just uh, Radio 2 competition winners are there. It's a small audience. Yeah. They did that in the pub to about 80 people. And uh, it's kind of where I kind of, uh, me and Katka, my now wife, we sort of bumped into each other there. She worked in the pub, so did I. We thought, well, getting the night off, I'm going to watch that. And saw each other at the back of the room and went, oh, do, you know, do you like Crown House, do you? And um, so I watched them there, unbelievable. They were like really, they're proper funny as well. Neil Finn yeah. and Tim Finn are really funny. Yeah. And they're cracking jokes, telling funny stories. Halfway through, going, hang on, I've got your guitar on here. And then swapping guitars and stuff. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> and then after, after they're upstairs, and I knew where the dressing room was, and they just sat like up right at the top of the pub in a bit, you know, it's not inside a room. It's just out on a sort of um, landing bit on a balcony. Yeah. And I just thought, well, I work in the pub. I can walk where I want. So I just walked up there and went straight up to Neil Finn. And all I planned, I planned to say to him, right, all I was going to say was, all right, Neil, uh, yeah, I work in this pub and after work quite a lot, quite a lot of Aussies and Kiwis get drunk and we sing Crowded House songs. Uh, yeah, love them, yeah. Nice to meet you. All right, take care, love the gig, bye. Um, and I don't know what happened, I went to pieces and I shook his hand, I think, four times. I think it was four times I shook his hand and just went, yeah, I work in the pub and... And I shook his hand four times. And I remember his wife was sat next to him and she started edging away. And glancing around to think, well, someone needs to come and sort this out. This can't carry on. And then I walked off and went and sat in a room somewhere on my own for probably 40 minutes going, what what, what was that? What happened there? What uh, was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it, horrific. It, yeah, it can be euphoric though, can it? That, that feeling. And you don't want to be, because you're such a fan. The annoying dick. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be that, the usual thing that, Oh, you, you must always get this, you know? But not me. I'm different. So you end up, yeah. like, going a, over the top, you know? Like, yeah, it's that same feeling when you check in at the airport. Remember those things at airports? And you yeah. go, um, they go, have a good flight, and you go, yeah, same to you, or something like that. You go, <laughs> oh, God, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Or you get a um, haircut, and so- you go, yeah, I'll give you one as well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, fifty times you've seen you two. You um, that was the first. Yeah. What's the, can you have you got a favourite? Surely you can't have a, out of all of them. Um, Croke Park must have been amazing, wasn't it? Croke Park was. Where's the weirdest place? Croke, Where's the weirdest place you've seen you two? The Croke Park one was great because they. When they did Where the Streets Have No Name, they'd organised for the Irish Air Force. It might have been the French Air Force, actually, to do a flyover with the Irish flag over the top of the stadium. Imagine that meeting. What are we we doing with the lights on this gig? Have we got any uh, new ideas for lighting? (laughs) I'm thinking flyover, Bono. <laughs> Just no, I know people. Let's go flyover, Bono. Come on, well, it's come the on. kind of gigs that you run, isn't it? That kind of thing. 
<laughs> down by Heathrow and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, no, I think the best. Uh, I think they did Pop Mart. I saw that in Sydney, and Michael Hutchins had died, and they sang one or one for him, and then they played in excess. You'll never tear us apart, and they turned off all the lights, and there was thunder and lightning. It was amazing, like really no amazing. Um, yeah, that would have been good. I saw them. My wife um, put me in a competition to win tickets to see them play the Astoria, um, which you know was only like five hundred people. Remember that the Astoria? Yeah, and. Um, she drew a drawing of the band and I was really, really ill. I took this phone call and the guy goes, you've won two tickets. I was like, wow. Like, like unbelievable <laughs> news, you know. And like Selwyn Rushdie was there, Roy Keane, all the big names. And um, yeah, that was, that was incredible. That was proper, like you're watching them in in just a like a, a small hall you know um but yeah i think i th- keen with his top off crowd surfing with his beard no um <laughs> i think he yeah i i just they put on such a good show and it's it, it always for me it's just been such a massive part of growing up you know, like, yeah, I almost look at my life in like albums, you know, or yeah, th- that was, so- that was where I was then. And, you know, um, and the, I saw them at Slane Castle when Bono's dad had died. And that was massively amazing. A really funny thing with Slane, Slane Castle was, they were playing one at the end, right? They often do one at the end. And um, the speakers, the local speakers for the village overrode, is that the word? Overrode the actual speakers from the gig. Right. So they were singing like, one love, you higher. Ah, you know, this emotional song. And I swear, with about a minute to go in the song, Bono's like, you know, singing and he's looking up to the skies. And this voice goes, when you're leaving Slane Castle, go left. Don't go through the village. The car parks have the buses. It was just, it was beautifully Irish. And I think, I think that's what I love about you too is, they make so many Irish mistakes and the crack, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because they look so, they can look so cool and sometimes look like they take themselves pretty seriously and then just stuff like that happens. That's, I've never heard that's brilliant. Yeah. Did everyone kind of hear? Is it one of them things that you were like, did, did everyone else hear that? that was oh, no, funny. people were, Who like were you with? cracking up. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's proper. I don't, I don't know if the pub will be open after this. No, 
I don't, you'll have to ask someone else. Steve, is the pub? <laughs> yeah, some Welsh guys That's there as brilliant. well. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, when did you get into you two? How old were you? Um, 11. Uh, my mum, my mum had a cassette tape um, of, you might be too, I don't know, how, how old are you, 40? 40, bang on. Yeah. There was a band called the Thompson Twins. I don't know if you remember them. I've heard of them. I, I don't really remember they them. They had a song called um, Hold Me Now. They were proper new wave kind of stuff, you know. And then on the flip side of it, my mum had U2 War. It's like their third album. It had Sunday Buddy Sunday, New Year's Day on it. And I just, just, you know, and you've got to remember growing up in New Zealand, you know, you didn't know when an album was coming out, you know? Like you'd no. go to the record shop and go, someone would go, oh, you know, they've got a new album out. And you'd be like, what? And it, it would have been out for like three or four weeks. You'd get magazines like NME and they'd be like four months late, you know, right. like, because of the, you know, the shipping and stuff like that, you know. So yeah, I used to get football, I used to get football magazines and players had moved like three or four clubs by the time I got them, you know. Not not true, but I went for the joke. And um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so I just listened to that. And then one of my big memories was coming to England and I got like a, a bootleg of, of them playing in Cork. Um, that was a massive cassette that I listened to over and over, just flipping over and over. And then the Joshua Tree came out my mum had people round at her house and uh, for like some kind of barbecue and I put the Joshua tree on and I put the balance on the speakers to left and I could only just listen. I had no headphones or anything and I just listened yeah. to uh, the Joshua tree starting with where the streets have no name, which is really quiet, you know, and yeah, I've just been very obsessive ever since you know yeah 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 that's that is a that's a good description i've I've got that where yeah different albums you look at it and go oh yeah i was about 22 when that came out that was brilliant and um yeah and you sort of and then when you moved to london how, how old were you when you moved to london um like 22 or 23 yeah so when when you move to London, it must because in New Zealand, a lot of bands don't play in New Zealand as much, do they? Because of the amount it costs to go from Australia to New Zealand, and the venues are quite small. Like in New Zealand, you yeah, there's like more. Really... There's more than a hundred people in the country, but yeah, you're right. The, a lot of them, <laughs> yeah, I know. But look, most bands. I was someone told me this when I was in New Zealand. They were saying, yeah, not all the bands come here because it's just not worth it mm, for them. It mm. costs too much for them to get here and. You know, so it must have blew your mind though when you come to London and you can just, they're playing about nine different venues and you can just go to all of them. Yeah. I remember that when I moved to London when, because I grew up in Northampton, which I know is not, it's not as far away as New Zealand, but it still felt like the middle of nowhere. There was no trains near where I lived. There was no bus service. I didn't see a live gig till I was 20. Wow. So, 
and then when I move to London and you can just go and see a band round the corner. I remember going to see Oasis at Elephant and Castle, the Coronet. They were doing a, a warm-up gig and I just got tickets off a tout because I was like, I could just go and just went on my own. Yeah. Just got a gig on your own round the corner from where you live. It blew my mind. It was a night of the 2005 Liverpool Champions League final and... <laughs> I remember someone saying, no, this sounds like a joke, but this is how thick I am. Someone, I said, who's a support band anyway? And they said, the football. <laughs> I said, what fucking shit name for a band? The football. <laughs> they went, no, the football. The foot, the Champions League. Yeah. So they showed the final before Oasis and everyone is going, I don't care if Liverpool get hammered, just as long as it doesn't go extra time. And it's 3-0. Yeah. I went to the bar, come back, it was 3 all. And everyone's going mental, going, fuck, you, you, everyone forgot they were there to see Oasis. And then Liverpool won, yeah. and the screen went up, and Oasis walked on to You'll Never Walk Alone. And Noel Gallagher's opening line was, fucking scouse cunts. <laughs> and then started playing. Brilliant. They were big then, though, weren't they? That was uh, 2005, so that was Don't Believe the Truth yeah. album. They were massive then, yeah. yeah. So they played Wembley that year. I went to see them at Wembley. Yeah. I think that year. No, Finsbury Park. I went to see them at... Ah, oh, yeah, Don't Believe the Truth. That was a great album. But, um, but yeah, so that was you like that when you were in London? You just went and saw them everywhere? Um, yeah, but they didn't... Like, you two have this tendency now to... It's like three or four years between albums you know yeah annoying isn't it um i think they go for the whole perfectionist thing when i think their fan base now i think would like to just see them throw something out you know or you know just do something that's not it's got a few edges on it not edge as edge yeah. but you know like yeah. They're very, very produced, you know. So yeah. So they they sort of probably have an album ready, and then they go, you know, oh no, we'll put another, we'll get another mixer in and stuff like that. So that that's been a bit disappointing, you know. Yeah, I I saw. Um, have you watched that documentary? I mentioned it before. Bloody love it. What's it called? This might get loud. Oh yes, yes, with it's, um Jack White. Jack White. Yeah. The Edge and, and Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. Yeah. And that, I'll admit, I've, I've, like I said, I've never disliked you 2 I've just never got into them, really. Yeah. And that's made me like you 2 watching that and watching The Edge. And I bloody loved him after that. And the um, how obsessive he is over guitar parts. I thought that. I thought that. For albums must take ages to make. Yeah, yeah. But um, and as well, that was the other thing. The problem I had was uh, having like stage names. I always think that's a bit. And then I found out the Edge and Bono are childhood nicknames. Yes, that changes everything. Yeah. You're in a massive worldwide successful band, and you've got a stupid nickname from school. That makes me really like them. Yeah, they were part of this thing called the Lipton Village, and they just had like made up names, and. Uh... <laughs> They just sort of kept them, you know, and I think even their, um, even their mum and dad used to call them the edge and stuff like that. You know, it was that kind of, you know, like birdie or yeah. knob jockey as you're known on the circuit, you know, and 
Yeah. We need to talk about that. Um, yeah. And um, so I, I think, um, I don't think that's helped them either. You know? No, because I think people, well, like I did, I thought that they'd given themselves serious names, like they're really, really important and take themselves serious. I had no idea. It was completely the other way. They should explain that more often. So, uh, that's the fucking edge. He's been called that in school. Yeah, 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 yeah. People would like them a lot more. Uh, do you know what? I think if they'd sort of maybe add a few second thoughts on some of the things they've done, I, I think <laughs> they could be even more massive. I, I, yeah, I'm genuine on that. I, I do think, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Bono and the glasses, um, the edge and the hat. Yeah. You know, he wears a hat the whole time, never shows his bald head. Yeah. There, there have been such a massive part for me, and I, for a while there, they were very competitive, and they wanted to be the greatest band, the biggest band in the world. That was one of his big things, you know? Um, yeah. And I think the sort of, I think the big thing for them now is just to stay relevant, you know? Yeah. I, I think they'll probably ask themselves now, like, right, 2021, do, does the world need a new U2 album? Rather what? than just putting one out, you know? It's <laughs> a harsh start to a meeting, isn't it? <laughs> right. Do the world need a new U2 album? Yeah, but... Can you take your hat off? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah do you think they need and do you think there should be a new album you see I, I I listen to their I've got like rehearsal bootlegs you know like from the studio where they're just mix like banging a song out and yeah I love I love all that yeah but that's that's probably for the 10% of the fans you know so if you're thinking, I, I, I think the last few albums have been fantastic, you know, um, but, you know, obviously with, with Spotify and everything, all sales of stuff goes down anyway, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, they're just not... And they're too far down the line to really reinvent themselves, which I think they've done very well. That's something yeah, I would I say know. with Oasis probably have never done is they're, they're probably, you know, meat and two veg, aren't they? They just bang what they've got out and it's good. Yeah, kind of. But you can imagine it would be a bit harder to have that conversation with Liam but I can imagine Bono, you know, giving it a go. Like, I remember that. that They did it then, sort of, with a... What's that song called? It's a beautiful day, yeah. that one. That was 2000. Yeah. Yeah. That album was massive. I remember that. They sort of reinvented themselves a bit, sort of, there. And they were huge then. I remember... That's, that's another uh, reason I didn't like U2 for a while. And it's not their fault. That's all on me. You know, when you don't like a band... And it's all your own personal problems. I was working in a factory. Yeah. 
doing 10 hours. I wanted to move to London and be a comedian. And it was miserable in a factory all day. And that song was on every five minutes. Mm. It's a beautiful day. I was like, fuck off, Bono. It's not. <laughs> I've got another seven hours in this pissing factory. I'm, not, I'm sure you're happy. And you had the protective glasses on like Bono. <laughs> yeah that's what hurt the most no I no like I, I think fan. yeah you're absolutely right and that was that was the start of them going a bit kind of like rock like they'd sort of done um uh like Achtung baby and pop and they were quite yeah. experimental albums you know Achtung baby's an amazing album and yeah, then they did all that you can't leave behind. How to dismantle atomic bomb and all. You know, it was. You know, it had the vertigo, had beautiful day, stuck in a moment, elevation. It was it was proper what I think people thought you two should be doing. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, right. But you, you look at a band like REM, they just sort of stopped. At a certain point, they went, that's it. That's all we can do. I love that. Yeah, so do I. I, love, I kind of respect them for that. They just went, right, uh, should we? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and I, I actually... Not many bands do that. And my, Stipe was like, yeah, I'll go over there. And they go, what's wrong with him? He goes, that's him in the corner. <laughs> no, I, um, <laughs> I do respect that. And I wouldn't be surprised. And I think i don't know if i'd be that disappointed if they if you two went that's it we're done now yeah because you've got enough all the all the albums you need to remember them fondly but if now like i said i like like i you know i like them now i know that the edge is a nickname from school i respect them now for that yeah but how right i'm not like massively into you two and i feel i should be more what album should I start with? Give me an album that you think, right, we'll just start there, give that a proper listen, and that will draw you into all the others. What what album? Am I talk- if you were going to put a U2 on album now, what would you put on now? Am I talking to Andrew Bird, or am I talking to an everyday person that hasn't listened to them? Uh, me. Go me. Um, I think... You'd really like Achtung Baby. All oh, right, it's not what I, it's not what I thought you'd say. I thought you'd go bang Joshua Tree, but or all right, yeah. I mean, they're the two they're the two biggies, aren't they, Joshua Tree? But but you all right. but the problem with again Joshua Tree Achtung Baby is you've you've heard five or six of those songs because they've just been hammered on the radio, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's why I like to see. Oh, I want to hear the album track. See what else they've got. What about you? So act on Bay. with Oasis. Then, what do you think I should listen to? Um, everyone would say definitely, maybe as the first, but I wouldn't. I would always go. What's the story? So would I. But then, after that an album that I don't think gets enough credit for how good it was. I just mentioned a while ago, Don't Believe the Truth. Everyone goes, yeah, after after What's the Story, they didn't release a good album after that. So like, fuck it. Have you heard Don't Believe the Truth? There's not one bad track on that. It's a brilliant album. And people forget that they'd released about 10 B-sides that not only could have been on the album, could have been singles, yeah. 
with those two out they released four albums worth of music in the two first two albums so you, you deserve a bit of a dry spell after that once you're off your tits on coke and a multi-millionaire but i'd go i'd go don't believe the truth go for that first a bit different name a song from that um well there's lila um a bell will ring that's brilliant Oh, it's not that old. Um, I, I tried the album. I'll go. Oh, do you know what? I'll go back in. I'll go back in. Right, you pop yourself in there. Yeah. I'm going to pop through the old Acton baby door. Yeah. See you on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Al, yeah. f- thanks, thanks for coming on and talking about music in a humorous way. Oh, was it humorous? Yeah, I, I saw some of it was humorous. Okay, cool. Sometimes no great pressure to be funny. It's just a chat about music, isn't it? No, but sometimes I'm. It's like when I do when you do interviews, and you're supposed to be a comedian and be funny, and you end up being really passionate about it. And sometimes yeah. that comes off really nicely, and it's a good listen. But then other times I'm like, "Am I just a boring twat?" You know, which I probably yeah. am. I like the pause there. But um, well, I've had those conflicting voices in my head throughout all of this and everyone I've done. But you know, but then there's enough podcasts with everyone laughing their tits off at each other like they're the funniest person on the planet. Well, there's enough of them. We don't need to do that. No, and we definitely haven't done that. So yeah, it's been no, great. We've not done that. We've not done that. Um, yeah. Do I hear birds tweeting in the background? I'm sure you got a window open. Well, that's that's not going to harm the listener, is it? No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not that picky of the sound. I thought it added a lovely ambiance during it. It was a sound effect. Mate. Have you? Have you got a window open? It's a sound effect. So for this podcast, you went with a slow bird sound effect. Yeah, for birds. Imagine if you did that. Imagine if you did that on a podcast, just putting an annoyed sound no, effect on throughout um, the whole thing. We live quite close to um, a bird sanctuary. Do you really? No. Just a bird outside oh. taking a shit, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a bird taking a shit. The way you said that <laughs> makes it sound like a bird hunking over like a dog <laughs> on a tree. That's not old bird shit. A bird taking a shit. Um well, have you seen a swan yeah. take a shit? Have a what? Have you take a, Have you seen a swan take a shit? No, I really had to think about that. I don't think I have. Me neither. Oh no, <laughs> they they don't just fly off and shit. They sit and have a have a dump, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I reckon at that size they probably do. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I did. I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the uh the music based podcast al thank you very much for doing it yeah it's good man it's nice there's no what i like about it is you just chat about anything and everything it's great a podcast from producer paul uk hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 